So as Pastor to- um, mentioned today, we're going to start a new series. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking about It's a New Day of Mercy. And some of you, last week, I saw many of you come up and give your life to Christ. Amen. You accepted Jesus into your hearts or you reconciled your relationship with God. And that's an amazing step that you took. And you know what you did that day? You activated mercy for your lives. Amen. Amen. How did you activate mercy? You accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You confessed your sins. You received his forgiveness of your sins. And his mercy was able to forgive and redeem you for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. That's amazing. That's, that's, That's something to clap about. Hallelujah. So how do we activate mercy in our lives. If you have not received Christ and you don't think you have mercy, I'm going to tell you right now, you accept it and mercy is given, given to us directly by God. It says in Luke 178, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. It's God's tender mercies. There's no one else's and it cannot be given by anyone else. It comes directly from our God. A new day of mercy dawned upon us through Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. Mercy and grace began that day. That day was the new day of mercy. All we need to do now is accept it. As simple as that. All we need to do is receive it and accept it. And it's something that that we have to do every day. Mercy was activated, right? The day Jesus resurrected and he gave his life and resurrected on the third day, mercy was activated. But we have to accept it every day. His Bible tell, our Bible tells me, my Bible tells me, that his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22, 23, through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So what does that tell me? Every day I seek God's mercy because every day I'm going to fail him. He knew he had to make a provision. We're human. We're, we're, um, we can fail him at any given time and moment. We can make decisions that are not righteous, but because of his mercy, he forgives us and we are new and made new every day. Amen? So thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God that his faithfulness supplies us with fresh mercies and it's up to us to accept them but many people sometimes don't realize this sometimes they don't realize that may, that mercy is given to them freely as long as they accept it or sometimes we forget it even as christians sometimes we forget we have mercy in christ we can come before him um, humbly and ask him to forgive us of any faults any sin amen, amen. and so today I want to speak to you about the miracle of mercy. And over the few, next few weeks, you're going to hear about the miracle of mercy. Because we want you to live a life that's worry-free and full of trust. Frustrations diminished. And satisfaction of life increased. Anxieties decreased. And peace of mind increased. Because that's what Jesus and his mercy does for us. Amen? You mean to say that I can live a, a life without being upset, without being angry, without having to stay living in disappointment, right? Because we're going to have our disappointments, but we don't have to live in them. We don't have to stay in those places because of God's mercy. So yes, I am saying you don't have to live in those places of anger or disappointment or betrayal or frustration or anxiety because God's mercy is enough to cover them all and to release us of them all. Amen? Hallelujah. There are many examples in the word of God that shows us his mercy in the different areas of our life. But today we're going to talk about one that's very close to my heart. 
and it's when you are ashamed. Somebody say, ashamed. ashamed. So let's start with the definition of mercy. If we look at the Webster Dictionary definition, it means compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone whom it, with, whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So what does that mean? That we give forgiveness to someone who indeed failed, somehow failed us, and with all right, we should be able to punish them one way or another, harm them in one way or another. But God is the definition of mercy, the one who forgives us for everything, the one who shows us, although we don't deserve it, forgiveness and kindness in all moments and at all times. He is the definition of mercy because he shows it to us every day. Every day we can come and ask to God to forgive us, and he is merciful to, enough to do it. <clears throat> So today he wants every one of us to recognize and to know and to understand that we can all call upon his mercy. Even when we're messed up, even when we've messed up, and even when we are ashamed. None of us are exempted from falling into sin or from falling short from the glory of God. The Bible lets me know that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and for all short for, shall f- fall short of the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So at one point or another, we all needed and still need God's mercy. And today, it is a new day of mercy for someone in this place today. I know without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, there is mercy in this place for you today. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous and no one who does right and never sins. It's yet another example, God letting us know that all of us need mercy, even me, especially me. And this is why shame is, or the topic on shame <clears throat> is close to my heart. Because even I needed God's mercy at one point in my life. Even after I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, even after I had worked in ministry for many years, um, I was born and raised. There's a saying that says, born and raised in Christ or born and raised in church. That was me. A few days after I was born, I was dedicated to the Lord, and there began my journey with Jesus Christ. Even as a babe, my mom always bringing me to church. I grew up and surrounded by the community of um, brothers and sisters. Um, I learned what was right, what was wrong. I learned the biblical teachings of God and what I was expected or what was expected from me from God and what was expected from me from my parents, what was expected from me from the culture that I lived in. Amen. I knew God, and I shared a relationship with him. I was baptized. I accepted him when I was 10 years old. I was baptized several years later. I received the gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues. Amen. So I had a true and genuine relationship with God. But even after all that, I still, I still needed God's mercy. Hallelujah. Here I am as an adult, and I meet the wonderful, handsome man you saw playing guitar earlier today. <laughs> Yes, women, he is mine. He's taken, <laughs> spoken for. And, <laughs> but, you know, we began today and we got to know each other and we fell in love as, you know, usually you do in relationships. And the thing was we dated for five years. That's a long time to be dating somebody. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, there were things we, were, we needed to iron out and things I was praying about. But what happened? We loved each other. We truly were in love. We were talking marriage. We were talking about life together. We hadn't t- taken the step, but I already knew the dress I wanted to wear. I already knew, you know, the favors I, I wanted. I already, I had it all planned out. But our love, 
um, unfortunately, one day, we allowed ourselves to be placed in a risky situation. And that situation led to one thing to another. And two months, two months later, yes, man, there's in the back already, right? <laughs> two months later, I found out I was pregnant with that beautiful girl that you saw worshiping earlier. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, so <clears throat> what happened? Because I knew what was expected from me, because I knew God's word, shame came over my life and guilt began to creep into my life. Now I didn't know what to do, where to go, who to turn to. I didn't even know how to turn to God because now I felt like, God, I knew I wasn't supposed to have done this. I knew that I should have just, you know, made, placed myself in situations where this could not happen. So now guilt was overtaking my feelings, my thoughts. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't function correctly. You know, I, I went to work with sunglasses on because I, I couldn't stop crying because of the situation. And, you know, for some of us, it'd be like, oh, what's such a big deal? You know, so you're having a kid. You were, I was 26 years old. I was an adult already. I was, you know, doing my career and but because of where I came from and how much I knew of the Lord and because of the parents that I had who were really well known in their church community or in our church community, um, it made it very difficult for me. It made it really, really hard for me to be able to say, Lord, forgive me, release me of my sin and let me move forward. Um, so it took a long time to do that, actually. Um, Tony and I... Um, talked about, you know, what we were going to do. And, of course, he was like, listen, I love you. We're going we're, we're gonna to get married and our family is going to continue. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not that easy. I still have to tell my parents. How do I tell my parents that this has happened when they're going to feel so embarrassed, so ashamed? And I didn't want to see the proudness that they had in their eyes when they looked at me. I didn't want to see that disappear. Amen. So at the time he was um you know he was going to his own church i went to my own church but um as we got closer to knowing that we wanted to be married we knew we didn't want to go to each other's churches and so i was praying i don't know about him but i was praying and i said lord you have to make a way you have to find a, a middle ground for us because we want to spend our lives together and if this is from you then i know that you have a plan amen and so God started that plan in, in process, and in November, he started going through some things in his church that disappointed him, and he started staying back from church, um, and uh, one Sunday, he says that uh, a friend of his that used to go to this church, um, they, they had a relationship because of bands. My, my husband had a band at the time. He had had a band, or he was in a band, and he calls him and says, hey, dude, I just, you know, the Lord put you on my heart this morning. How are you doing? And he said, well, if I'm going to be honest, I haven't been going to church. You know, a lot of things going on right now. And he told him, come, come to my church. Uh, we meet so-and-so, and we'll be there at such and such time. And so Tony was like, okay, I, I guess I'll go. And he came to Calvary for the first time. <clears throat> Amen. In 2004, November 2004, he came to Calvary for the first time, and that brother introduced Tony to Pastor. And, you know, Pastor being um, the spirit man, the spirit-filled man that he is, he told um, Tony, hey, he tells me you play guitar. Bring your, your guitar next week and play with the worship team. Speak to Brandon and that and, you know, let them sort it out, but I want you to play um, with the worship next week. So Tony said, okay. But God... That was God's plans already working in our favor, amen? God knew that the way to keep Tony in that church or in this church was to give him and give him a, a place where he was used to being, using his gifting because he loved the Lord. He adored God, and he loved the talent that God had given him to play for him. And that was how God kept him in the place where, we, where he is today and how God brought me to this place, amen? Because God is good. God is faithful. 
Even when we mess up, even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. It doesn't matter what you do, what you did, God is faithful. Amen? And his mercies, like his word says, and I shared, are new every morning for us. So he came to Calvary. He stayed at Calvary. We decided, he, he told me, you know what, why don't we talk to the pastors? Why don't we talk to Pastor Victor and Pastor Gwen? Because I had still done nothing about the situation. And I said, okay, I have nothing else to lose. Let, let's do it. And we met with them. And um, the honest truth is that by the time I, I met with them, I was distraught. I was heavy burning with it all. And God is good because it was through their love and the mercy that they showed us through the word of God, through the, through the love of Jesus that they had in their hearts, that we were able to leave that place feeling encouraged and motivated to go before God's face and ask him for forgiveness and ask him to, to just cleanse us, right, of all unrighteousness and, um, and to make us new, amen? And um, the, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind that I never forget is that I didn't feel condemned, I didn't feel condemned by, by the pastors, where in my mind, I thought I might have been condemned by my pastor that was leading me and guiding me for so many years because of the culture that I came from, amen? But the pastors, you know, I remember him saying, I'm a man, and I have to ask God for forgiveness every day. Who am I to condemn you here that you're sitting before me? It's up to you to ask God to forgive you, and God will give you forgiveness, amen? And that just, that, that really emanated in our hearts, and we were able to take that step, amen? And from the day fo- that day forward, Tony kept coming and when we got married I can't come I kept coming to Calvary man it was a new thing because I was you know background Pentecostal you know and, and, and Spanish and, and anything you know Spanish directly you know so everything that motivated me everything that I knew was all gone like I'm like oh my god English like how do I get into worship singing in English and all these new songs but God is good because that's why he gave us the ability of you know to learn new things amen so, and now I wouldn't change it for the world. I still step into my Pentecostal sometimes. Like Pastor says, we got to go to our roots sometimes because we miss it. But God is good, people. God is faithful. Amen. In our time of weakness, God makes himself stronger. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I began to declare God's word. Amen. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. No longer did I have to carry that sin. No longer did I have to carry that shame. That guilt didn't no longer belong to me because I had given it up to God. I said, God, you have forgiven me. You have cleansed me. Now I am free and I can work a new I could walk a new journey with you amen and God is here to do the same for each and every one of us in this place today man you don't have to live with the shame you don't have to live with the guilt because Jesus has set us free from all of it Jesus has set us free there's no condemnation amen none at all once we ask God for forgiveness and receive his mercy that's it we are free look at your neighbor and say you are free you are free. That's it. No mas, no more to remember it. Amen? God is good. He made a way for you and me because I am not special. I am not holier than anyone else. God made this possible for each and every one of us. It is here for you today. Amen? His mercy is here for you in this day. He will put you on this. But if we are not careful to recognize it, amen? If we're not careful to recognize it, if we fall short, if we um, fall in sin and we're not careful to recognize it and to accept his mercies, amen, we could fall into a trap 
the same trap that I felt in, fell into for so many months, amen? Being away from my God, when God, all, his, all he desires to be close and near to us, amen? He says, you know, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So he wasn't able to draw near to me because I wasn't drawing near to him. But his desire was to forgive me. His desire was to show me his mercy, amen? Hallelujah. But the enemy... He's always at play, and he's always looking to see who can he destroy and who he can devour. Hallelujah. And, for, and if he is looking, <clears throat> and because he's looking, guilt is one of his favorite ways to trap us. Yes. He will put you on display for all to see. He will make you think that everybody knows your business, that everybody's talking about it, and everybody you know, knows exactly when it happened and where it happened and who it happened with. And that's a lie of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God does not think of us that way. Even in the middle of it, he's still looking at us with loving eyes, with caring eyes, and hoping that you would just look up at him and refocus your direction on him because he's the one that can lift you up. Hallelujah. This story, there's a story that um, is a great example of this, and it's found in John 8. John 8. Um, I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, till 5 to begin with. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses, and the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. Not what do you say? Now what is it that you will say? So I'm going to take a moment to stop here and says, because I want to point out that when they said that, now what do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus. Yes. He was, they were trying to um, have a basis in which to accuse him on. Yes. Yes. And then another word that should catch our eye is caught. They said, it says that they caught the woman, right, in the act. The woman is caught in the act. And if that's not enough shame, they go and they humiliate her in public. And that's what the enemy does. He tries to humiliate us. He tries to, to, to make it seem like people are going to judge us and people are going to point their fingers at us. Because if he can do that, then he can keep us in that guilt place, in that shameful place. So, but that was something she, she, that she already knew. She knew she was in sin. When we do wrong, when we fall short, we don't need anybody to point it out to us. We know that we are in sin. We know it for ourselves. And this is why we battle the guilt and the shame. Amen. That's why we hide from God's um, face like I did. That's why we find ourselves pulling away from the people of God. We pull away from church. You see people sometimes coming less and less and less. And it's because they're dealing with something, something that they're not able to face or they don't want to face or they don't know how to face, and face, God's, um, face God. Amen. Their prayer life begins to dwindle as well because they no longer can come to God's presence. That is why we battle this, the, the guilt and the shame. Amen. So better, so sometimes we begin to think it's better that I stay away, it's better that I isolate myself, it's better that I just keep away from all the people around me, and that is also not the way to go. I'm telling you right now, it is not better to isolate yourself. It is not better to keep, your way, keep yourself away from the people who love you. If you are in already in a community, in a church community like Calvary, then you already have a people that love you, that care for you, that are here to support you and lift you up, to encourage you, motivate you to keep on walking forward and not continue to live in that present life or in your past. Amen? Hallelujah. We, pr we praise you, Lord Jesus. If you isolate yourself, 
the accuser of the brethren, the enemy will begin to let you and make you feel that you are entrapped, that there's nowhere to go, that there's no way out. Hallelujah. But there is because there's God's mercy. What have you been getting caught up in? What's tripping you up over and over and over again? What's making you stumble? This is, these are questions to ask yourself. Because we can easily get caught up in unhealthy relationships. We can get caught up in bad deals that we make. We can get caught up in secret habits that nobody knows. You, get, you can get caught up in addictions. There are different types of addictions. You can get caught up in material things, thinking that money is the whole purpose of life, right? So you're, you're constantly just working and working and working just so that you can make the money, so you can make things work for yourself. But then you forget and you give nothing to Christ. Now your focus is not Jesus. Your focus is what can I do to get more and more of what I want and what I need. Hallelujah. That's a huge trap. People that live for the approval of others. That's another big one that people get caught up in. But the woman that we read about, she got caught up in a wrong relationship. And what was Jesus' response? Verse 6, 7, and 8 says... Let me start with six. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Can you think about that? Jesus bent down. They come and they bring this woman who's being accused of adultery. And Jesus says not one word. He bends down, he bends down and he starts writing on the dirt. Kind of weird. Kind of strange, you know. He had no reaction but to bend down and write on the dirt. But it's that Jesus never does anything out of the ordinary or anything unorthodox just because he always has a purpose he always has a plan and he always has a reason amen look at your neighbor and say don't be scared he's got this he's got this he has a plan for you yes because sometimes things in our lives right they seem to be strange or um on or or on um, ordinary, we think things are happening, and we start questioning God. Why are these things happening to me right now? Why am I going through X, Y, and Z when I was at A, and now I feel like I'm at Z? What happened in between that you know here I am where I'm sh- where I shouldn't be? And we start to question God. But what we need to realize and remember is that God always has a purpose and a plan. There's a reason for the stuff we go through. There's a reason for the things that we are allowed to go through. Because God is building us. He is showing us that he is always faithful. He is showing us that his mercy is always there for us. He is showing us that if we trust in him, his plan and his future is the best one for us. Amen? But unless we go through some stuff, we're not going to learn how to trust God. We're going to think that we got this. We can do it all on our own. But we cannot. We need God's mercy in order to carry on every day into the next day and into our future. Amen. Hallelujah. So check what happens out. What happens next? When they kept on questioning him, verse seven, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You think anybody threw a stone? Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At, the, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So again, Jesus' response is to stoop down and begin to write on the ground. But nobody really knows what he was writing because it doesn't say in the word what he was writing. But some believe that maybe he was writing the sins of those of the accusers that were around him. 
and around the woman. Some, of the, some people believe that that's what it was and that as they saw their sins being written on the ground, they were ashamed and they felt convicted, so they started to walk away because they realized, whoa, he's telling us how can we throw a stone when we're no better than she is because we're in the same state that she's in, amen? But when I read the story, it made me think of this. I said maybe he was also trying to be an example to all of us who would read the story and realize that sometimes we react too quickly. Sometimes our actions are too fast in certain um, circumstances and situations when instead we need to take a step back and take a minute to think and and ask God, God, what would be the wisest thing for me to do right now? And I believe Jesus took that moment to say what is going to be the the wisest reaction? What what am I going to say that's going to be the wisest thing that is going to um, motivate her but tell them (laughs) what's wrong with them, right? Because he went straight for the matter of the heart when it came to the accusers, amen? But he wanted to care for her. He wanted to be gentle with the woman. He knew that although she was in sin, he wanted to show her that he wanted to keep her dignity because that's the kind of Jesus that we serve. He doesn't accuse us. He doesn't point at us. He doesn't tell us of all the wrong things we came from or have done. No, he tells us of all the things he wants to do with us and where he wants to take us, amen? Hallelujah. And in order for him to be able to do that, he has to show that he's going to care for us and care for our dignity. Hallelujah. So he didn't react quickly on the spot. He knew that what they were trying to do, and yet taking a few minutes to write on the dirt, maybe their sins, maybe something else, it gave him an opportunity to respond in the wisest way. He could have chosen to respond any other way, but he wanted it to be wise. And when you study Jesus' life, you will always find that he did things and responded in the most wisest way. Many of us do the same, don't do the same, right? If we really start thinking about our lives and sometimes how many, the choices that we've made and how we've reacted to certain situations, we reflect back and we think, man, I could have done that or handled that so differently. I could have spoken so differently. I could have brought life instead of death to that situation. And after it's done, it's hard to take back. That's why I believe that Jesus was trying to give us an example that day. Take a minute, breathe, think and react in the way that Jesus would react. Not in our human, human way, but in Jesus' Christ-like way. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. We need to take Jesus' example. When it came to the accusers themselves, Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter, like I said. His slow response wasn't for them. It was for the woman. One of the things I want you to notice is that in the public situation, Jesus protected that woman. That woman. Has she made a mistake? Yes. She cheated on her husband, and that was not right. But Jesus protects her in dignity, in front her dignity, in front of the gentle, the gentlemental accusers. And later, on a you know, in privacy, on one to one, he deals with her sin. He deals with her sin, but gently, and keeps continues to protect her, her dignity. See, Jesus accepts everybody. <clears throat> he didn't approve of everything that everyone did. Just like he accepts us today, he may not approve of everything that we do, but he still accepts us. And he did the same with that woman. He didn't approve of what she was doing, but he accepted her anyway. So he says to the guys, if you've never sinned, you can throw the first stone. Go right ahead. But that made the the accusers disappear. 
because they knew that they could not lift not one stone. The only person standing in that place right there and then that could lift up a stone if he wanted was Jesus, and he wasn't going to do it, and he never did. If anything, he gave his life, amen, for us, for our sins, taking all of our sins upon himself in order to be able to give us freedom of um, sin on this day. Hallelujah. Jesus, after releasing her, uh, then verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I believe he wanted to hear her response because, of course, he could see. Everyone had left. There was no one left to accuse her except for him. But she said, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And in the King James Version, that, that part says, Jesus said, go and sin no more. I believe he gave her a command that day. He told her, don't sin anymore. Why? Because he knew he, she was better than that. He knew that she deserved better. He knew that she knew better. That that day, that she had not made a righteous decision, but that she could, from that day forward, live a life of righteousness. That day forward, she could receive God's forgiveness, receive the fact that he was releasing her of her sin, and forgive, I mean, live in a life of forgiveness. Change her life around. See, he didn't condemn her. He didn't condone what she was doing, but he didn't condemn her. What he did that day was that he changed her life forever. He showed her that there was mercy that there was grace to be found that there was love to be found in someone else hallelujah someone that's faithful someone that no matter when you mess up whenever you trip he's gonna be there to pick you up no matter what amen and that's what she was able to receive that day she knew God had changed her life forever and today God is telling you he can change your life forever if you're feeling like you've been living in a place of shame or guilt he's telling you today is a new day of mercy to be found for you amen hallelujah Jesus after releasing her of her sin tells her to go and sin no more he puts a demand on her because he knew that she was better than that he doesn't condemn us he tells us you're better than this and go now and do this no more and this is why I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why I serve my Lord and Savior, because he was able to do that for me one day. And not just that one day. Every day, every day I file up. Every day I mess up because I'm human, because I am not Christ, but I try to live my life like Christ. And if I'm trying to live my life like Christ, I have to recognize the times I mess up. I got to tell the Lord, Lord, I messed up today. I did this. I said that. I offended this person. I did whatever the case might be, but I have to confess it to God and ask him to forgive me. Amen. And accept his mercies for my life every day. Glory to God. And this is why, because of what Jesus does, when we come and we've messed up, he does what he did with that woman. He didn't condemn her. He didn't condone her. And he didn't say it was okay because it wasn't, but he didn't condemn her. He changed her. And that's what it's all about. It's about allowing God to change us, allowing God to give us a new start every day in order for us to please him, in order for us to honor him, in order for us to um, walk in the path that he has already in store for us. Amen. God's mercy forgives me and forgives and frees me as it does for you. Amen. Amen. If we ask God for mercy when, we're messed, when we messed up or we're messed up, That's what he does for us. He does two things. He forgives me and he frees me. Amen? He forgives you and he frees you. That's what he's able to do. Hallelujah. His mercy is able to free you from all guilt and shame and to forgive you from it. Amen? 
Forgiveness, check this out. This, this was really cool. I read this and it was really awesome. Forgiveness takes care of my past guilt and freedom gives me the power to change in the future. So forgiveness, guilt, forgives me of my past guilt. Forgiveness, right? It takes care of my past guilt. No more to think about it. No more to remember it. No more to dwell in it. No more to think about it because it's in the past. It, it does not even, it's not even remembered by God anymore. Many times we recall things. We're the ones that bring things back to our mind and into our hearts. But when God is sitting in his throne thinking, but what is this child doing? I have no idea what she's talking about. I've already redeemed her for what she's yeah. thinking about, about what she's feeling. So why are she, is she going through these things? That's our human nature. But that is not God's. God, once he forgives, he forgives for eternity. There's no more um, to remember it, amen? He never brings it back to your face. He will never uh, call you out on it ever again, amen? And freedom gives me the power to change in the future. So now that I have been forgiven, I can let go of my past. But now the freedom that he gives me from my past allows me to march on forward to my future, into the destiny that God had planned for me, into the future that he had already um, had in plan for me, amen? We don't have to stay stuck in our mess. We don't have to live our lives stuck in our past because Jesus came to free us from all of it and he came to restore us. Restore us. Hallelujah. His restoration is great. God's mercy is easy to access. All we have to do is come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and then accept his mercy. Simple as that. That's all we need to do. That is it. When I was able to do that, all the shame, all the guilt was lifted off of me. I was able to move forward with my future. From that point forward, I was able to plan my wedding. I was able to um, plan my future with my husband. I was able to prepare a home for my husband and my child. And until this day, to God be the glory, we stand here together, faithful to one another, in love with one another, and in God's mercy and grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Fifteen years later, guys. We've been together 15 years and, 11, um, and married 11 years. Amen. God is faithful. He is good. When we turn to him, there's nothing impossible. There's nothing that he cannot do. Amen. God's mercy restores us. He restored my relationship with himself just as he wishes to restore yours with him if you are in the place that I was in at one time. He restored my relationship with my parents. That was one that I thought um, would never be the same. It was going to be different, that was for sure, but it would never be the same. And I didn't know if that was going to be good or bad, if that relationship, you know, that we would continue um, there forward would be good or bad. <clears throat> I knew that they would love my grandchildren because they had grandchildren already, their grandchildren. Um, <clears throat> but me as their daughter, I didn't know if ever I would look into their eyes and they would see pride. You know, they would see, I, I used to be their pride and joy, and I didn't know if that could ever happen again. And... Um, you know, I did speak to my parents. I had asked them to forgive me as well. And although my mom was like, hey, well, you got to ask to forgive is God, to forgive you is God, not me. But still, I felt like I needed to ask them as well. Amen. And um, but I said, Lord, you know, it can't end there. I need to know that they know that I'm still searching after you. They know that I am still um, carrying forward into my children, training my children in the way that they should go because they trained me. Amen. Even the days when my father wasn't serving God, he would still make sure that he'd ask me, have you prayed today? Have you, you know, are you worshiping um, God today? Have you taken your time to spend with the Lord? Even when he wasn't saved, even when at the moments that he was at his weakest, he was always looking out for us. So I knew this and I wanted them to know that I was still following God. Amen. And I have remembered um, that day that we 
we spoke with Pastor uh, Victor and Pastor Gwen, he had told us, you know, or he specifically to me, because I was the one concerned about my parents, he said, you continue to honor God. Once God has forgiven you, you continue to honor God in your walk and in the way that you will train your children to be in God's walk as well. And in doing that, you're going to honor your parents. In doing that, that doesn't change what you, you know, what you will be able to do um, for your parents. But in my eyes or in my heart, I still, that, that still wasn't true. It wasn't true until I heard it from my parents themselves, right? So I, I, I think it was two years ago because it wasn't even that long ago. I think it was about two, three years ago. I remember I received a text from my mom. And um, in that text, she says something to this effect. Um, she said... Um, I just wanted you to know how proud I am of you Mm. and of the woman that you've become and how you are training your children in the ways of God and how um, and allow God to continue to use you in the way that he is. And that broke me down. That brought me to tears. And even until this day, because that was a breakthrough for me. That was God restoring my relationship with my parents. That was God restoring um, the way they viewed me, right, in their eyes. Amen. And now when I see them, I, I see how proud they are. I see how they love my husband and how they love my children. And, and they um, admire Tony for taking such good care of me. I think I said once before, right, I was looking for a man who was going to care for me like my dad cared for me. <laughs> if you weren't willing to die for me, you weren't going to have this. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Tony definitely um, showed that and continues to show that, and even to my parents. And they know that they don't have to worry about their daughter because they are not only am I in good hands because I belong to Christ, but I am also in good hands in, um, in, my, husband's, uh, in my husband's hands, Tony, amen? Um, and so are my children. And yesterday, this is how God restores even your future. Uh, on Friday, my two little ones also decided that they wanted to be baptized. And I found just a quick two pictures. That's Yasminda after gone under. And then the other one, that's Anthony also after having gone under. God is so good. There is nothing that he will not restore back onto you. What the enemy thought he could destroy, take away, harm, meant for bad, God turns it all to good. God turns it all around. And that's the type of future that he can promise you. This, that's the type of future that you can be guaranteed to have when you just give your troubles, your concerns, your shame, and your guilt to God. And allow his mercies to cover you every day. Don't allow the enemy to entrap you and think that you cannot come to him when, you have, when you're at your lowest. When you have um, um, failed him in one way or another. Come quickly. Don't wait don't delay because that's what I did and it kept, me so, it kept me trapped for so long. I missed out probably on so much those few months because I wasn't drawing near to God. Draw near to him. Believe me, he's ready and willing to accept your, um, your, um, forgive, your apology. Thank you. Willing to accept your apology. Willing to forgive you. And to make you continue to go forward in the journey that you already started with him. Amen. And if you had not started that journey, I hope that this testimony and I hope that this word will touch you this day to start and begin that journey with God. He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. He will never let you, um, never let you alone, never leave you alone. What is wrong with my English today? But God is here on this day to show you his mercy, amen? So if there's anything that has been keeping you captive, anything that locks you up inside, anything that you feel that is enslaving you, what is you, what, that's something that is imprisoning you, some of you right now maybe are imprisoned by regret, 
something that you've done, something that you um, can't let go of in your past or in your present. Some of you are probably imprisoned by resentment, envy, worry, addictions. Maybe there are secret sins or secret habits that no one knows about. But I want you to know today that Jesus wants to forgive you today and free you from all of them. If you allow Jesus to do that for you today, we want to help you to do that. We want you to leave this place free with God's mercies over your life. To let it all go and walk out a new person with a new hope and a newfound freedom in Christ's mercy. Amen? Today is the day of mercy. If you, have, if you find yourself in that situation, do not leave this place that way. Come. The ministers are here to help you pray. Not to judge you, just like Jesus did. To keep your dignity intact, but to help you pray through. To leave it at the foot of Jesus and not walk out of this place with carrying that load. Because it no longer belongs to you. Christ is telling you it no longer belongs to you. He wants to take it from you. He wants to lift your shoulders, that heavy burden off your shoulders. Make it his so that he can then give you his mercy. He can give you, your, give you his peace. Give you his um, tranquility. Amen? And give you peace of mind knowing that he loves you. Knowing that you are safe in the Father's arms because his mercy are new for you every day. Amen? Hallelujah. Prayer is where you deposit all your hurts and all your pains. Okay, prayer is a place of exchange. You give what you, you know, what you need to give to God. You give your mess up. You give all that burdens you up to the Lord, and he gives you his peace. He gives you his freedom, amen, and he gives you his forgiveness. Hallelujah. So if you want to do that today, know that the altar is open for you. We are willing to help, help pray with you. We are willing to um, lead, you, my God, uh, lead you through um, the prayer that you need to make today in order to feel like when you walk out of this place that you are free and not heavy burdened by anything. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray that you were blessed by this word today and that you would leave today knowing that it's a new day of mercy. Amen. Amen.